Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as I journey through the car care industry. You can find Nick and I on most platforms at HyperClean Store. Best way to get in touch, go to the new website, hypercleanstore.com. Or go to the Facebook group, Hyperclean Specialist, and interact with us there. Nick, I, uh, well, earlier I took a moment and thought I was going to get a nooner, but I only got a high nooner. So Atta, uh, babe. I'm going to dive into a high nooner with you today and enjoy what you've been uh, so enjoying over the past. Yeah. I, went Pineapple. With the, I went with the mango. Oh, the yeah. Mango. Great. They got pool packs now ready for summer. Ooh. Yeah, all new flavors, Marty. New flavors, huh? Yeah. Is pineapple still the number one that you've liked? Uh, yeah, I like pineapple. I like, uh, they got this new one, guava. I'm in, whatever. They all, yeah. hey, once you get about three or four deep, it all pretty much tastes the same. I don't think you need to go three or four. That's pretty delicious. I <laughs> I, I put two out here just because I knew I'd probably tear down the first one pretty quick and I'd be ready for number two. Hey, nooners are... That's exactly where it's at. Get off those Trulies and White Claws and head for the Nooners. Definitely, no doubt. All right, let's get into buy and sell. What's your buy and sell? Oh, I actually forgot about this. Um, I'm gonna, I'm going to sell something. So for everybody that listened to the podcast over the weekend, I bought a car. Marty. Hey, congratulations. Do you remember how quickly you could get a car on a truck? It was like minutes. You know, you just call the transport company and they'd be, you know, they'd have somebody in the area, they'd go pick it up. 10 to 14 days to get a scheduled pickup for a car on a transport truck right now oh. around the country. That's unbelievable. And I'm just going to sell that because where are we? I see cars getting transported all around me and they can't get my car. And I talked to several people uh, that I trust and they go, man, just like you've been hearing for two years, Marty, the world's changed. I'm like, oh yeah. You guys can't get them? No, man, we're having trouble. If I got lucky and one was in the area and this and that, blah, blah, blah. So I'm selling the uh, car transport business currently. I know everybody's working hard, but geez, oh, Pete, it's like so many things in the delivery world that we experience on a daily basis. It's just, is it gone forever, Marty? I mean, as the days of you can get a package quickly, you can get great service. Is it just gone? Maybe it is. Hmm. You know, I, it is interesting. There's a lot of things. There's no doubt that we'd look back and we just go, there are many things that, that are gone that I'm not sure ever will happen again. Uh, so I'm buying, it's, it's a little bit different. I'm buying and mine comes off of, as you know, and other people have known, I had my daughters last week. Well, one daughter last week, my other daughter decided and I get it. She's a teenager. Now she's wants to stay in the California sun and not come to the Oklahoma dust. Uh, my youngest though, who is about to be a teenager, she came through. So we had some fun times together. And one of those I'm going to share about here in a second, but you know, the, what made me really realize what I'm buying is from when she left. And when she left as any of you that have shared, uh, you know, basically shared the experience of raising a, a child with, a partner that's no longer with you in a sense, AKA divorce, or, you know, just moved on and, you know, you never, you don't get to raise them together. Well, there's a little void that happens for a lot of us. 
I've learned to accept and learn how to handle that void. And I take a moment, and during that moment that I took on, on Sunday, my, my youngest daughter left on Saturday morning, and I took it on Saturday afternoon and then again on Sunday morning. It was a moment of enjoying the climb. I love the word climb, and so I'm, I'm buying the word climb because I don't think that life and business and everything should always be about a grind that you're staying at the same and you're just continuing to grind, 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 grind. I believe in climbing and climbing takes more effort than grinding. Climbing takes a lot of strength as well as a lot of time and a lot of energy. And I looked over some things as I was, you know, having to pick up some paperwork, having to, my life is different than it was a couple of years ago and definitely over the past year. And, you know, as we're moving through some stuff with my wife and, bringing, you know, with the documents that we need to get and everything, I had to look back at things like divorce decrees and have to look back at and talk about, you know, all the documentation of kids and all that. And there could have been moments in the past where, well, I, I took that mentally and went in a bad direction, but my personal climb, as well as in the climb of the business, what's so exciting to be able to reflect on, which is the reflection on Sunday, was everything that went on during the negative times where I was in a, a lot of mental bad places, well, that began to be what we developed into today in business. And many of the struggles that happen, well, as you begin to climb out and continue to find answers to problems, well, start to solve things. And the cool part about where we're at now and the, the enjoyment of the climb is now our distributors are getting to have incredible interactions with their customers because of the products that we continue to climb and continue to develop and that we call are overbuilt. As we push forward and hyperclean and what we have coming out is so exciting. <laughs> the hashtag overbuilt is paramount to the products that are coming out. The distributors get to now enjoy the climb. And they begin to, we're hearing stories of dealerships that are being changed over to hundreds of coatings going to dealerships to, you know, we, we now have products. The story this past Sunday was uh, our good friend in, Dave in Colorado, who's, who's going, hey man, like there's dealerships that are saying they've never used this quality of product before. They're going in and just wiping out everybody else because of the hyperclean product. So I'm buying <laughs> what all we're doing as together as a community for the climb, because the climb is incredible and the journey is incredible. And I'm excited about where we continue to go all climbing together. So, hey, listen, I'm buying the climb, man. Yeah, and I, I think we're at the tip of the iceberg. I think that's what's going to surprise people. Uh, you know, we got some products in testing. We got some pro products that one that may be released in the next uh, week or so. So keep your eye out. But I think one of the interesting things we're having as a business is kind of what a lot of detailers and enthusiasts experience in their own life, right? Like uh, you turn a corner and there's something else to solve, right? You turn a corner and then you got another problem and they're not really problems as much as they're just things that happen in business, right? You're, you're going to, uh, to, to participate in something tomorrow where people use some terminology we don't necessarily agree with here at HyperClean, and people can look out for that content. But I think one of the most important parts of that, what you're saying is, hey, man, it's just, it's continuous. And the minute you think you have something solved, something else is going to pop up. I mean, here it was, 
for those that listened to the episode on Saturday, I had a roller coaster with this auction. I finally get the car and now I'm weeks waiting on the car. It's just something new, you know, it's just something else that pops up. And, and I think it's a healthy mentality that some people need to hear. We all need to hear from time to time is that things happen. You know, it, it's okay. Like you're, you're going to figure it out or you aren't, and you're going to live with the consequences. Like it is what it is. All right. So one of the fun stories of having my daughter was she's about to turn 13. And right. You know, I said, Hey, what do you want? What do you, what do you want for your birthday? Let's, you know, I took her to get her nails done, took her to get a couple of things and made some stops. And what she really wanted was some converse. <laughs> you know, she's living in California. As you said, yeah, it makes sense. It's a big deal out there here in Oklahoma. Converse are around, you know, we got some people that wear cons, but for the most part, that's never really been a big Oklahoma trend. No doubt that through California it is. And the converse that she wanted, we couldn't get here locally, so we had to get online. Well, we've been driving around to a bunch of different places, and and I am generally just I, I do not ever pardon away from something that uh well it makes some people upset if they're riding with me get some people a little antsy they might have to walk an extra 50 feet or 200 feet or 300 feet well one of my process to enjoy my car life is i love my jeep i absolutely think it's the best thing to roll around right like as we've talked about until somebody really finds that vehicle that they just fall in love with at least for me my journey in cars was just a to b but when you find that vehicle that you don't want to just go A to B in it, you might want to take some long roads home or you might want to take some cruises. Well, that's when you really get to experience car life. So one of my things in car life is all process has always been to park away from everybody. If I go in a parking lot, I got to get away from them or I'm by a curb and I'm, I'm hugged up to that curb. So that person on the other side, there's no reason ever a reason that they should ever door ding me. Well, We'd washed, I'd washed the Jeep earlier in the day and, well, and something that we hope to be releasing very soon. It's going to make people really happy in their car life because it was getting a little bit later in the afternoon. That sun's getting a little bit lower. It's not setting yet, but it just puts off that nice glow. And we were walking into the shoe store. We look back and we're just like, wow, man, I love like just that gloss, the way it looks. And my daughter goes, dad, what's that? I go, what are you talking about? A massive, <laughs> I mean, it's a good inch to inch and a half crease in my driver door. When I go and look at it and I step back and I go, motherfucker, there's another one in my back driver's door, right? So the front and the back. So whoever it is that we just happened to, just that day, just park next to some, I mean, they didn't just kind of door ding and go, oops, like, they had to have done like the whole family when they're getting in their car, they lean on that door and they lean that fucker right into the side of my Jeep. Whew. Man, the time that I diversify from my process that I knew I should have been doing, not parking up close to everybody, it got me. Like those, I hate that. Yeah. There's, there's, there's there, is there processes that you do where you're like, you're trying to keep protect. Basically, sometimes processes are to protect the value of what you hold dear, right? If you hold your car live dear, right? There's processes you're going to do so that you can continue to 
the beautification of your car, right? Yeah, I, I would say this. Let's just all get it out in the open here. How people treat really expensive machinery and parking lots is baffling to me. Like the parking lot is just a zoo. It, it, the way people act, we have this place, we got this sandwich shop near my house and they got the worst parking lot. There is no such thing as parking away from people because it's too small for all the shopping in that area. So it's always, you're just trying to find a spot. So I had a similar situation. Literally, I'm in the car while someone else is getting the sandwiches. And next to me, kids, mom, dad, wham. This is like a month and a half ago. Just hit the hell out of my car. And I rolled the window down and just went off. Like, you want to talk about getting me fired up. When you're a parent, you're a loved one, and you don't educate people about dinging someone else's car, man, that we have an institutional problem with how cars are treated in a parking lot. Like, you can never, seems like you can never park far away enough. You know what I mean? Like, you try. I'm with you. I park so far out that people get real irritated. So I started dropping people off. Like, you know, if they want to get mouthy, I'll like, I'll drop you off in the front of Target, whatever. I'll drive to the back. I mean, I, I'm going to keep my car nice. The thing out here that gets me, because we have so much wind out here, is sprinklers. Mm-hmm. Is you might be in certain neighborhoods where you got to park four feet off the curb, and all of a sudden you look at your car and you're in the middle of the, the road. But if you don't do that, the sprinklers are going to get blown onto your car and now you got reclaimed water on your paint and now you could have water spotting issues. So that would be the equivalent. I do the parking lot thing. I would assume any true car person parks way far away from everybody. Like if you don't do that, then you're, are you a car person? I don't, I don't think so. Like that's crazy. (laughs) So, you know, processes they can preserve, right? Were you doing, you're getting a new car. You know, I, I do stuff to my, my Jeep all the time to, to preserve it, but I don't really get into all the other things that can go on inside a Jeep, right. With winches and maybe one day it'd be cool to have a winch, but you know, put on some tires and a couple little things that are Jeepish. Have yeah. you, are you, are you the kind of guy that now that you're going to get a new car, is there a bunch of stuff you're going to change on it to, to make your car life? Uh, I, that's an interesting question. That depends on the car. So when I own Jeeps, I made Jeeps my own, you know, sound bars didn't always come on Jeeps. So I'd always out of sound, you know, I always say, are you pre sound bar or post sound bar? (laughs) What about circle or square headlights? That's one. Oh yeah. Well, that was my thing. So anytime I see round headlights, I know somebody's not a real Jeep person. Although I do have a neighbor that just bought a square headlight uh, Jeep. So that's been pretty cool to watch and, 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 you know, handed him some hyper clean stuff and have him test some stuff, but he's a square headlight guy now, but Yeah, when I had Jeeps, I did a lot of aftermarket stuff because Jeeps, when I had, when I was really buying Jeeps, they didn't have all the bells and whistles yet. So you kind of, that was the aftermarket of Jeeps at the time. Now Jeep has done a nice job where they've kind of, that stuff is part of a package and whatever. Uh, With this car, you know, I got to see it in person. I'm kind of, I got to see the car, you know, and see what I want to do different, drive it around, see what, I mean, here's, here's the thing about the car I just bought. It doesn't have you know, uh, modern Bluetooth technology. I'll be ripping that, ripping that out and adding stuff, which I've done to this style of BMW before, but you got to pull everything out and you got to rewire some things. And there's some risk to that. But I oftentimes, you know, when I talk about the aftermarket, people get pissed off. 
far too many people just automatically put rims on cars and don't think about how it rides. So I've been in really expensive cars where people have bought like 20 and $30,000 set of rims, got in the car and been like, this is the worst purchase anybody's ever made because it just stiffens the ride and you feel every rock. And, you know, so I'm a little bit more, I got to figure out what's right for that car that I'm driving, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to do stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm going to do some, some pretty considerable work on this car would be my guess, but you know, here's how I work in the car market. So everybody knows if I get an offer for the car, the car is gone. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I'm not really that attached, but I do take very, and I, I think there is something, I think you get rewarded more in life when you take care of the things that you have in life. You know, yeah. I want my stuff to stay nice. I okay. want my stuff to have pride and people look at it and say, Hey, that guy does, you know, care. I don't, I don't wear shirts with stains on them or, you know what I'm saying? Like I just, there's a pride to owning things and keeping them nice. I try to keep my shoes nice. You know, even though I'm not a shoe person, I don't want to have the dirtiest shoes on the planet. Like, I think that's the same with cars, right? That's always the shocking thing. When you go to a rich neighborhood and you see people who have a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars Range Rovers, and they got all that brake dust and you're like, why would you want to ride around like that when you don't have to? So yeah, I, I'm, I'm very picky about how I like my cars. Are you uh this is, are you a tire shine guy? Like, uh, are you on, on every time, are you washing every week and then always putting on tire shine? Do you, do you sit back and look at your car and you go, yeah, I, I, my process for cleaning the car is always going to be tire shine. Yeah. I, I put shine on every time, but I'm matte. I like matte shine. I like the wheel to look super black rather than super shiny. So I build my process around, uh, a lot of times because I don't, if I, if I take care of a car, we don't get into mud and stuff here, but there's times where you can go through some dusty areas. But if my face of my, of my wheel has not been affected, I'll lightly clean it, not do a deep clean and just build upon it because of a product like ultra dress. I don't have to worry about sling and build up and that kind of thing. It's water-based. It soaks in. I dilute it to what I like. Four to one is about my you know, my sweet spot with ultra dress. And then I just put a light application. And because I have such well taken care of tires, I just have to just whip the brush around once. And it's, you know, I'm right back to where I want to be. So I don't make it some big process. If I do it all the time, it doesn't have to take me a long time. That's the way I look at it. Well, I think a lot of people would be surprised at how little time it takes you, right? Like, yeah. You've been a process guy through most of your career and especially building, you know, your company. It's always been about the process. So let's, let's break down that process real quickly. What, what does a process to clean a car look like from a, an Eagle Eye view? You know, are you outside in? Are you inside out? What do you start with? Where do you go? Yeah. So our two man team, it's a pretty good, pretty good question. So we try to be anywhere between 28 and 32 minutes on a maintenance detail of a SUV as an example. So my team will start on the interior, but what they do is they're wiping down all surfaces first. Okay. Um, so they're going to clean all the surfaces first. That's what they're going to do. Cause remember we're doing mostly maintenance. So we're going to wipe all the hard surfaces, leather, door panels, navigation, cup holders, all that, right? All through the car. 
then we're going to go to the outside and people might find this. Why would you do that? Well, the way we do our process is now we're going to foam the, we're going to rinse the car. We're going to foam the car. If that's what's necessary. If eco one is used, this would be a different process, but let's say for a fairly, a car that needs some love a little bit, right? Like it needs a good wash. So we take and put foam wash all over the car, but here's what we do. Now, we wash the wheels, we wash everything with the two man team, everything's done on the exterior wash clean, we got the easy, we got the detail brush into the rim, all that kind of stuff. That's all done in one process, because I got two guys. So one guy is going to do the rims and wheels while the other guy is kind of doing the body work. Um, then they rinse the entire car down and, and clean it off. The guy that uh, is now going to grab a, a blower, and he's going to start blowing the car off. We're going to start blowing the cracks out. We're going to start blowing most of the water off because again, with a product like slick with coated vehicles, with hyper clean coatings, those types of things, the blower is your friend, right? It's not actually to work the towel to death and scar scratch up the paint. It's, it's to actually blow the car off. So then we would blow the car off. The other guy's kind of doing some last touch up on the rims with a rag real quick, right? Little spots we missed, double checking, looking at all that stuff. But when the guy gets done with the blower around the car, Marty, my other guys set a vacuum there and the vacuum's waiting to be va vacuum out the car. Okay. The blowing's done. We're ready to go. Now the guy can go to wiping the body, doing the, uh, the windows, finalizing tire shine, all that kind of stuff while the guy's vacuuming out the car. And that's how we found some efficiency is yeah. not to try to do everything at the same time, but to do things that allow you to stay out of the other person's way. So you're not banging into each other on the car. All right. So are you personally, or your guys, when they're doing the vacuum, are they doing the stripes? Are you a striper or are you a non-striper? Oh, we stripe, we stripe. And uh, there's actually a simple fact of why we do the stripes. A, most of my clients like it. Um, but B the reason we do stripes is when you take care of big collections, the easiest way to see if people have been in and out of the car is if your lines are messed up on the driver's side. So there's two ways to identify when you have big collections. You always do your tire shine one tread in, okay? One tread in from the face of the rim. So that whole circle is considered how we shine tires. Because if they drive it, what's going to happen? That tread's going to wear. And... We have, and I know what people are saying. It's easy. It's not easy, man, when a car only gets driven once to know all the time. Okay. So we're not talking about somebody that's driving something five, six, seven days a week. Okay. Those are easy to identify, right? You can just take your finger and wipe the rim with your finger and go, oh, this has been driven. When it's, when it's kind of in between, you want to have these processes to be able to look over. Stripes help because they'll kind of get, you know, stepped on and marred up a little bit. So, you know, somebody's been in that seat. All right, so a question that we get asked on a regular basis, there's no doubt about it, that uh, especially as the HyperClean name continues to evolve and climb through the industry, more and more people are reaching out and the process that they are questioning, how do you apply HyperClean ceramic coatings? Because right, ceramic coatings generally should all be applied the same way in a point of, I should have put some product on an applicator, I should wipe that on the paint, I should take some towels and wipe it off the paint, right? That process is pretty similar around the board. If, if your coating isn't doing that, you, you know, you, you, you know, you, you might want to start asking some questions, but generally speaking, that's an overall process for applying a ceramic coating. 
However, inside of ceramic coatings, the process has to change based on the way some companies have made their ceramic coatings. Right. Whether or not it's a user-friendly install, whether or not it's beads or rainbowing, or you got to use a wet towel, or you got to use five towels, or you got, right? You got to put four layers on instead of one. You got to put two layers on instead yeah. of one. You know, there's a lot of different things that can go into it. So I do understand why people ask then, well, how do you apply the hyperclean ceramic coating? So for me, right, I, and this is where I think it's fun because as I've done it, you have it just a little bit different. And that's the thing that is okay inside of a process. And the reason why we want to have this discussion is so that you can hear what Nick's process has been for cleaning, what it looks like, um, what it looks like then to put on a ceramic coating and not exactly mirror it, but hear it, understand it, and learn from it also from an aspect of, well, it's why we make the coatings this way so that you get the user-friendly install so that it's the best sustainable thing for you and your business. So I put on ceramic coating. I put on my applicator. Listen, I'm a, I'm a half applicator user. I don't use the full applicator. Some people will put drops down the entire part of the pad. I only do I can't do I can't do that. I I, do I, that I, I isolate it. Yeah, yep. I isolate to the top of the pad. I isolate, yep, to the top where my fingers are. I'll pull up my pad then when I'm applying it. But I start on the very, if I'm going to take a panel, I'm going to start on the very inside. And I'm going to push some product out in kind of a star pattern. And then I'm going to draw a box around yep. the area that I want to work in. Now, the reason why I did the, the pushing out is so that now I'm going to go fill in my box and I've got parts of ceramic coating already around so that yep. when I go and fill in my box, cross hatching, circular, you know, shake yeah. and bake, however you want to fill in your box, then I know that I have enough product on multiple areas of my panel yeah. away from my beads. And I'm a three towel guy. And I'll use two different colored towels at the front, one to level, one to fully remove, and then a safety towel, which is the Hyperclean Cookie Monster towel the best for the safety experience. And I'm a three towel guy and I'm done. What about you, Nick? What's your process? Yeah. So let's divide it into like a door, like a passenger door. So what I would do is I would divide that passenger door in half. I would put the applicator on just like you. I'd put enough product. Let's just use that. I use enough product on the applicator to do the whole door. Just for this example, I would then horizontally split that panel right through the middle then I would draw a box around the outside. And the reason I drew that line in the middle was so that I have a draw line as I'm going up and down and filling my box in, I'm picking up the most product each time I go through that line. Okay. So that's why I draw it in the middle of the panel. And there's a real reason I don't get anywhere near an edge when I draw that line. The biggest amount of high spots when people put coating on, whether that's a team member, you individually happen when, when you take a bunch of product that's on an edge of a panel, you go to level it, it gets pushed to the other panel because there's so much product there. You miss that it got pushed to the neighboring panel and then you have a high spot on that, that edge of that other panel. So I don't, when I have the most on my applicator, I don't draw my line anywhere near an edge. So that's why I said, if we just use a door panel as an example, I draw a line right through the middle of the door. And then I would draw my box. But by the time I'm drawing my box around the edge of the door, 
I've taken when I had the most product and I've drawn a line in the middle of the box I'm going to go through, right? And so what happens? Every time I go through my line, I pick up more product for that next line that I'm drawing. And so that's how I do it. I am generally me personally, a two towel guy. Okay. I, with certain, with certain coatings like tray, I probably have a third towel. Okay. Uno and dose. I don't see a need for it. Cause what I do on mine is I take a low pile towel as my initial leveling towel, because I don't want to pick everything up. Right. You don't want to pick all this active ingredient up. You're just trying to pick solvent up, right? That's what's beating up. The solvent is the thing beating up saying, hey, it's time to level, Marty. So I take that, that initial towel. I give it a nice slow wipe. Nothing happens quickly for me. I'm not quickly buffing the surface. I'm just slowly wiping the area, trying to pick up active ingredient. Then I'll go back with a high pile cookie monster towel, and I'll do my final wipe. I'll go to panels around. I'll do a, a, a much bigger area around my panel to make sure nothing got pushed to neighboring panels. And then I call it a day. That's that mostly what I would do for Uno and Dose. With Trey, I'd add a mid-level. So I'd take a low pile, a middle pile, and then I would have Cookie Monster. Again, it's a more professional grade coating. There's more active ingredient in that coating. I have a little more worry as I move up a little bit where Uno, I honestly think I could get away with one towel. I've never tried it, but I'm assuming that I could probably get away with it because it's so user-friendly. Yeah, you could. Sometimes if I've been in a hurry, I've... Yeah, I know. I, I know you're showing off for the podcast. You use 52 towels. I get it. You're doing it all for the show, Marty. I get it. Do it all for the gram, man. Do it all for the gram. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I mentioned the word sustainability, which, you know, in processes why it would be important to have sustainability in my thought process when I'm thinking processes, right? Sustainability. That word is mostly used in conjunction with environmental. Uh, and, you know, in 2016, when I launched into what we have today is HyperClean, you know, there was a lot of process that we built into around sustainability, and some of it was environmental, but a lot of it was in savings. And one particularly that I talked heavily on, 16, 17, 18, 19, was heavy on saving time. The sustainability factor of using a coding that saves you time because your process is so much easier, your application is so much easier, your enjoyment is so much more, well, it creates sustainability not only in the brand and what you're doing, but you know, your company, but, and also your own mindset and also your own personality and who you are as a, as a detailer and how much you enjoy what you do and how long you can do it. Right. I mean, sustainability has to really be thought of also in longevity, the longevity of how long you continue to apply coatings. Nick, I know as an engineer, you, you've got quite the mind. I help us understand why somebody might think sustainability and multi-layer or you know all the different things that we hear about versus one layer versus quick and easy application right it doesn't well, take you long it's not really great info right like that's super easy to answer the cool yeah. question would be actually is what does sustainability look like for you as a person who is now 20 plus years into business what does sustainability look like 
in the amount of time that you save. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can only sustain things that you can teach, right? That's easily learned behavior by team members. You know, oftentimes we see really finicky coatings being, you know, celebrated, but, you know, go to your word sustainability. If I have to do 58 towel method and have a bucket and have lamps and how sustainable is it? I mean, for you and your team, how many guys and gals are going to be able to learn that and quality control it? And how many times, Marty, you remember those early coatings when you'd have to go back and sand a door, you know, you, you took your profit and you just started shrinking it by the minute, right? When we say the word sustainability, some guys hear the word scalable, some guys hear the word business growth, right? And those types of things. That's what we're talking about here. If you don't identify that codings have changed and you're still fighting a coding and you're still working hard to get a coding on the surface, you're not doing better for your client. You're doing it because you're unwilling to change or unwilling to believe technology's changed. I mean, Marty, we're dealing with all kinds of different solvents that you and I are putting into our coding now that weren't available to work in hand in hand with active ingredients 10 years ago. Technology changes, man. And for all you people that think that because a coding is hard to install, that means a coding is good. I can tell you from personal experience, that's not even close to true. One of the hardest coatings I ever installed, if it literally somebody turned on their windshield wiper fluid on the freeway and got on your car, it was going to water spot. It was going to water spot. Now, maybe it would have lasted 500 years. So what? We had to polish it all the time because if, I mean, if somebody sneezed near your car, it was going to water spot. Now, I got to ask you, it was tough to install and everybody would have celebrated what we did on Instagram, but that's where the technology was in the moment, Right. So scalable, sustainable uh, business growth is going to come from processes that easily can be repeated over and over and over again without a lot of headache, right? It's one of the reasons so many shops struggle to scale coding and struggle to scale PPF because they choose really hard processes and procedures and they can never, ever get over the hump, right? You hear this all the time. I can never find people to do it the way I do it. Well, if you use hyperclean dose within a, within a few hours, your team member should be able to install it the way you did. They may over have some oversight you don't have. Like I said, pushing some extra product on the next panel and not having the eye to see it, right? Like those little things. But how many horror stories do we hear out of shops who are like, oh, you know, this formula got changed and now it's worse to deal with and, and they're just going to battle through it. It's like, no, nah, man, with ceramic coatings today and the technology as it is today, Marty, who should be powering through anything? They should become easier to use, more user-friendly. That's what the technology is supposed to do. I'm tired of saying it, but there's so many guys that don't hear it. If you're still doing wet towel and somebody's telling you, this is going to last a lifetime, you know, if, because it's wet towel and you have these, you know, IR lamps. It's like, dude, do you not know? What's going on in, with technology? It's supposed to get better. It's not supposed to stay stagnant. It's just not. That's not how it works. Right. And that, that unstagnant, in a sense, the growth, the climb 
to sustainability. Well, I think detailers are really starting to get an idea of that as, as they work with you mentioned these coatings that, well, they change the formula. They're grabby. Now they're harder to work on. The more people that are coming over to HyperClean are really enjoying that process of having a very simple install. It's, it's easy for them, right? It just makes sense. But easy install doesn't mean it's going to last any different. See that that's where people have their head messed up that the harder it is to install, the more likely it's going to last. Marty, let's talk about what makes a coating last. Go ahead and say it. What makes a coating really last? It, it could be Uno, Dose, Tray, uh, a 58 layer coating. What makes a coating last? Is it how difficult it was to install or how I maintain it? Yeah. Right? Um, let me chime in. Maintain? Oh, okay. I, I mean, this is what I mean. Like, I, I think that's where guys get hung up. If you've watched the evolution of ceramic coating, the thing that kind of gets guys hung up is, why is this so easy to install? It must mean something bad. No, no, no. What it means is somebody's evolving in their product development and you need to cash in on that, right? Now you can grow team members. I mean, go back to the early coatings you put on. Did you want a team member with that in their hand? No, it wasn't because those companies were doing something bad. The technology wasn't there to allow it to be sustainable in a big way. Now we're in a position where with the sweat beads that we have, with the, the, the new solvents we're working with and different things like that, we're, we're supposed to make it better. And you as detailers should be asking every coding company and every business that you do business with, why are they not trying to get better? If you use a hyperclean ceramic now, I'm here to tell you, I mean, it's about as easy breezy as it comes and you can feel very confident about it. Why do you think, and this is be an interesting thing for detailers to begin to question, well, anybody that's, you know, detailers that are doing it professionally or they're detailers that, you know, they enjoy their car care experience and their car care life and they're detailed in the way they take care of their vehicle, right? Like it's interesting why, you know, and it's not a, it's not a question at, come at type question right but but it's a theory question right if if i'm if i'm using a product that isn't that easier it's got some problem like and i start thinking about sustainability for myself being able to do this long term because i should be doing something with my life that i enjoy on a daily basis and i should then be able to do it for the next year the next two years the next five years I should be able to go into a recession type moment and still enjoy what I'm doing. Right. I mean, I should evolve a little and I should kind of move, but I would hope that I personally, and I think a lot of us think this way too, that the things that I do on a daily basis, I should enjoy for the next year to 10 years to 20 to 30. So it's an interesting theory to question why then does hyperclean, have their process so that my user experience and my enjoyment creates this longevity for me and that I've got things dialed in to where my process can, well, sustain myself. I can use that magic word you said, what everybody loves to throw out, scale. I can scale my brand. I can scale my company. Well, you might not have been able to do that with X, Y, and Z brand, right? Like another brand. Why, why do you think that brands don't choose scalability for their customers. 
a good question. I don't know that you and I can talk for other brands. I, no, I just yeah. I just know what happened when I went down the rabbit hole of trying to understand the people I was in business with at the time. A lot of people don't know the position you're in. You know, whether that's just somebody doing it on the weekends, just around your garage or whatever, or if it's the professional trying to scale. You know, many people that are selling you coatings, that are selling you chemicals, they don't clean their cars. Go, go to a major chemical company and go look at the parking lot. You're going to see a lot of people working at that company that don't have clean cars. They don't have a passion for it as a word that we often hear thrown around. You go see owners of, you know, one of the owners of the biggest detail shops I know, his car is regularly dirty. And he says, well, I can't boot a car to have my car cleaned. It's an exact quote. His passion isn't to clean your car. His passion is he's running a business, right? I mean, this is the thing guys would see. So what's happened is a lot of people have been listened to by detailers and the detailers don't know the backstory of, you know, Johnny over at this company has never detailed cars for money, not once. Or if they did, they failed miserably. So you're listening to somebody who's actively running a company who doesn't know what you actually need developed because they've never done it and needed a team member to do it, right? They just sell you this coding and say, hey, our lab says this coding works really well. That's all good. I'm glad they have that data. But the user experience, what I found when I started digging for my own company in 2019, and I've shared this story before, is I found a group of people I was doing business with from a vast different, uh, a bunch of companies, not one company, not one bad guy. Nobody was a bad person. Marty, they didn't know the problems. They didn't know about working in the sun. They didn't know about all the different changes in, in wheel technology and painted wheels and powder coated wheels and anodized wheels. And, you know, they, they weren't in that world the way I was. And that's what so many guys don't value enough. If a guy's been in the marketing part of multiple businesses, and yet he's telling you he knows what he's talking about when it comes to you detailing cars for money, how's that possible? I don't know what he's going through in the marketing department. <laughs> that would be just because I do some marketing for my company doesn't mean that I know what it's like to run a whole marketing department. But we do have a lot of that where guys in this industry just have never done their homework and don't realize, hey, most of the guys you're doing, most of the guys and gals you're doing business with have never successfully done what you're trying to do. So you're kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place of they're developing chemicals that work, but they don't make your life easier. So where does that all fit in? And a lot of guys just power through it and their business gets hurt because of it. All right. So the powering through, AKA the grind, right. Is a theory that we should all just continue to grind it out. Right. Like there's a lot of going into these moments that we've said is going to happen. Right. Like there's, there's many people that are starting to come out with some, you know, push through, like you're saying, you know, grind through, you know, like, don't give up. Why would it be important? And I guess a better question than the one I asked you is a better question would be, if I'm somebody that is cleaning cars, then maybe I shouldn't really think about why another company doesn't do such and such. And I should question, why does HyperClean believe so much that having processes that bring sustainability is important? And I think that's going to have multiple reasons. I'd love to hear one of yours. One of mine is going to be kind of what I said a minute ago, like where you're going to be able to sustain with your own life, right? You, you got to understand that your business based on 
everybody's business is always going to go up and down, right? You're going to always have peaks. You're always going to have valleys. You're going to have moments. The key is what I found overlooking the past years is that I just always want to make sure that personally, as well as my business, when I'm going through the ups and the downs, that as I look backwards sometimes at the analytics, that my ups always keep hitting new ups. And my lows never go as far as they used to go. So my lows stay a little bit higher on that scale than what they used to be. And that's where I see the climb, right? Inside of that climb is a grind. Inside of that grind is a continual involvement that I think the sustainability happens when you're applying hyperclean ceramic coatings because I can save so much time, I can either, well, go do more or I can go do something else, but I'm getting to do more of what I want to do. The sustainability for you installing hyperclean ceramic coatings is a pure fact that you continually get to do more of what you want to do. What is it you want to do? Well, the more hyperclean ceramic coatings you install, the more you will get to do of what you want to do because not only will you save time, but the easiness of it and everything, the whole application is much more sustainable to you as a person. And I don't ever reach that moment of going, oh, I'm just done. Oh, I'm burnt out, right? Yeah. I'm sustainable. I can continue going. It's a climb. Yeah. I think we, we kind of, you know, hear that word burnout, right? And, and I think for a lot of us, it happens because we're doing a lot of things that put undue stress upon us that we've made the decision to do. I mean, I remember when I used a coating that was so hard to see when it was ready to level that just laying a coating on was like anxiety driven, right? Like, okay, I'm at the end here, but now I got to put this product on and it's going to, you know, I got to be just on top of it and I got to be on top of my guys. And, and, and when I raise my anxiety level because of a decision I've made to do business with a coating company that I really shouldn't have been doing business with when I look back for me personally, that leads to anxiety, burnout, trouble. Uh, you know, a lot of people relay it to paint correction. You know, when I stare at paint, I'm trying to get perfection. Okay, well, maybe you're doing that a little too much and you need to rethink your packages and drive people to something that makes you a little bit happier to pick the polisher up. Like, that's just common sense. But sometimes you're a little too close to the sun to realize you're about to get burned, right? That's, that's kind of how it works. And when I look back on it now, I've said things over and over and over again. What a great time to be a chemical distributor, just to get your mind off of detailing cars. That's going to give you some freedom and some mental clarity to look at your detailing part of your business, right? What I think happens when guys really start to feel like this is becoming too much, they can look at their processes, the vendors they're doing business with, and start to really analyze whether they're doing things the way they want to do them or where they're the industry's telling them what to do. Right. I know one thing I don't want to do hundred hour paint corrections anymore. So you know what? I don't do them because it just got to be enough for me. I was good. I did my collection, uh, elite collection work. I was done. Didn't mean I was out of collections. It mean I was out of high end multiple restoration periods of cars. I didn't want to do it anymore. Doesn't make it wrong if you do it. Doesn't make it right if you do it. It just wasn't right for me anymore. And I couldn't find a way to grow. 
And the word that you're really trying to get at with, with the way you said, raise your floor and also raise your ceiling over time is that just comes from growth. If your business doesn't get to the next economical step, you're never going to have a higher floor and a higher ceiling. You're going to always go to the, to the, to the despair of that low where you're almost at bankrupt. You're almost at zero in your bank account because you never got over the hump. And that's where we see a lot of guys, man. I mean, I sympathize because when you start a business, one of your biggest fears is going out of business, right? Not having enough money. You know, you're just in those early times, man, you're taking every job and the kid just vomited in the car and you're going to clean it up and you're making your money, right? Like you're just trying to get through. But a lot of times the guys that never get over the hump to the next level have made a lot of choices on that first level that have nothing to do with clients. They have nothing to do with team members and they have everything to do with choosing things that aren't scalable and don't allow you to do more work, i.e. choose the wrong ceramic. What can happen? You can be stagnant. You and I talked about a guy earlier who's choosing the hardest to work with ceramics. He's doing all of these things because he wants to be a certain type of shop. Two thumbs up. But you are now in a position where you're going to be a one-man shop probably the rest of your career. And I hope you love doing that because that's a really tough place that we see a lot of guys regret that they took that route. Hopefully it works for you. Hopefully. But so you mentioned something. You said that, uh, you know, there's economic floors and there's, you know, in a sense, there's, we've got to think of our books. We got to think of our finances. We got to think of what it means to be sustainability financially. So a question that gets asked all around the entire industry is what should I charge? Yeah. You know, like the whole charging thing is we talk <laughs> about it. We'll probably talk about it for decades, right? Like it just, yeah. it's ironically funny that there's people that ask somebody from Texas and they're in New York, what should they charge? And there's detailers that, come out and tell people that they have to be charging X amount of dollars or else they're not really great detailers. And then there's detailers that come out saying, ah, can you believe these guys only charging a couple hundred bucks or Hey, these people are charging five, seven, eight, right? Like they just throw out numbers yep. and, and they can't believe why other people would charge this type of thing. Like, yeah. So the financial aspect of sustainability which is what I love about Uno, Dos, and Trey and the way we've done it. And as the line continues to evolve and we're going <laughs> to, the fun parts that are coming out to help, you know, influx the line to give more options. Well, pricing kind of can go all over the board. You, you really get to choose a pricing that's best for your own sustainability. So give us some quick inputs. How do I choose my pricing real quick? What is it? Like if I'm in New Mexico or I am in Dallas, right? Like I have to choose pricing that's based on me. I've got to think about myself long-term and I've yep. got to sustain my business. So that means my pricing needs to be right. So how do I determine my pricing? Well, you know, first of all, a lot of funny things, a lot of detailers are very judgmental of what other detailers charge. I think if you go back through what we're at two years of episodes with you and I, we got hundreds of hours of content at this point, you got even more. I'm going to speak for myself. I've never referenced what somebody should or shouldn't charge, what somebody should or shouldn't do, what services they should or shouldn't sell. I'm not in your city. Marty's not in your city. These 
these jack wagons on the internet who are saying you can't charge 499 you can't charge 899 you can't charge 999 you can't charge 199 you got to charge 8 billion dollars to put on a coating or you're a hack i mean i don't know where everybody gets the numbers i think very safely depending on the city you live in a business that's trying to hire in the automotive world and there's been a lot of studies done this isn't my opinion need to find a way to charge between 75 and 150 bucks an hour for their services because you got to pay things you got to pay insurance you got to keep money in the reserves you got to buy your product you got to pay your people you got to grow you got to get an accountant right that's if you want to grow but what if you're just starting out and 50 bucks an hour is pretty damn good for you because I know I've been there I know a lot of judgmental people on the internet have never been in a tough spot and they've always made 58 grand per coding job and by the way I want to say something here it's going to be really unpopular. I live in a top 10 economic city. And a lot of people that make a lot of comments about what you should charge live in places that if I arrive there, I would immediately be double their price. And they, they really brag about how they charge a lot. No, they charge a lot for BFE wherever they live. Okay. They don't charge a lot for LA. They don't charge a lot for Orange County or Las Vegas or Miami or New York. So let's get one thing straight here. A lot of judgmental people about what people charge. The minute I arrived in your city, I'd be the most expensive detailer and you would look like you were undercharging. That's just a fact. But here's the reality. We got to get to a place where we stop talking about what everybody's charging and you, the business owner, have to say, okay, this is the position I'm in. This is what I've paid for the product. This is the time I'm going to spend on the job. Here are my costs associated with doing that job. And you got to charge something that allows you to make money, be profitable and move your business forward. There's not a person on earth that can tell you what that number is. Let's say I'm, I'm not a new guy. Let's say I'm a guy that I've been using these other coatings and I've been charging $1,200, Great. Keep doing it. But the opportunity to have a package that's 500 bucks. What does that yeah. mean? Sustainability? How does somebody go from... You know, it almost they might even think of it as a down step, right? It, I'm getting less money. Well, actually, I you know, here's the thing. I don't ever look at a price point as though I'm taking a, a back step. I just look at a price point of this is a really great service I can provide for this price. And it's profitable. Right? Because we do a lot of collection maintenance. I mean, you can't do collection maintenance and charge $1,500 a job. Some of these collections have 100 cars in them. That, that's not how it works. You're just there maintaining them every week, right? Every other week or once a month. So I don't ever look at the dollar amount and judge somebody for the dollar amount. What you should be judging yourself on is that, am I making good money at that price point for that service? Can I find a lot of great services to make a ton of money at $500? Yeah. We shared a story of a, of, of a guy who was making over a million dollars net on a $50 service. Car washes regularly make millions of dollars on $10 services. I'm not in judgment of any of that. And you've never heard me talk about looking down on somebody because they charge 250 bucks for a detail. We're too consumed with that in our industry. And a lot of people that think they're leading the way on stuff aren't leaders at all. They're just clown shows. Because again, if I walked into your town, your pricing would be dwarfed by my pricing. 
right? You sound really great on the internet, but when you live in BFE, Florida, I got news for you. My prices are way more expensive. So does that make me a better detailer, a better human, a better anything? No. So why are we talking about it all the time? We're talking about it because guys and gals are going on the internet, YouTube, Facebook, podcasts, and they're referencing how dare somebody charge this. So if somebody does a service for $500, it takes them two hours, and they make 250 bucks an hour on the service as a company, but there happens to be a ceramic coating bottle in that service, they're bad people, they're hacks, they're not making enough money. This goes back to something we've said on this podcast, and I'll be the one that puts this on my name. There's a lot of companies that say they're doing right for the industry. We're giving back to the industry. That's why you should support us. We've never seen the rule book, Marty. What does is, what is giving back mean? So the same goes for the pricing. If you got something about pricing that you have an opinion on, then lay out what the rules of pricing should be, and let's debate it. I'm all for it. But it just seems that people throw these numbers out. How dare somebody charge $8.99? How dare somebody charge $3.99? How dare somebody charge $8 billion to do that service, right? Every time there's no rules to the game ever explained. And I think that's the unfair part to young guys listening to this. You need to do what's right for you, your business, your family. Okay? You need to make money because if you're just flipping money and time, you're not going to be successful. We've seen that. Marty, I'm sure you've done it a time or two when you look back and go, wow. Matter of fact, we had a discussion in HyperClean. So let's not even act like it was that long ago. It's like, yeah, hey, you know what? We're kind of done doing that. It's all good, man. Like, what is the bitterness about what some other guy charges? Or, or you know, somebody's offering a coating for this price and it's really funny. It's like, why is it funny? If he's killing it for $4.99 and he's making $490 bucks in profit, what are you laughing about? Like Walmart doesn't make $4.90 in profit on anything. Like, I don't know, man. I, it, this is a really weird time. And, and for everybody that follows us, I want to make this clear. I never judge what somebody else charges. Never comes across my desk. Marty, you and I never talk about it. That's not how I operate my life. I don't care what another man charges. But we've gotten real far away from that old school, leave everyone alone on their pricing. Let another man earn what he wants to earn. A lot of judgmental dudes on the internet about what everybody's charging. It's crazy. Ironic, right? I mean, and they should be everybody's forte of whatever they choose, right? Like every business should be able to do whatever they want. We we're going to continue to, to push lead guide influence as many that we can to have a sustainable process Use a product that was designed with a purpose of you generating the best out of your car care experience. It's what we do here at HyperClean. It's products, processes, and purpose. Great discussion on process, Nick. Thanks so much, man. Have yeah. a great week. What? Have a great week, brother. <laughs> hey, your boy had too many nooners. <laughs> too many nooners, man. <laughs> Those two nooners got me. <laughs> uh, it is vodka and soda, Marty. You're not used to it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. Great, great being here. Everybody have a great week. See you, man. Hey, and if you've been listening and you you might not have your processes all dialed in, you might have some questions about how your process could create a better sustainability for yourself. You mentally might be exhausted. 
you mentally might be going through some stuff. Maybe you're using the wrong product that that's created the anxiety that Nick talked about. Hey, come interact with us at HyperClean Store on Instagram. Shoot us a DM. Let us know how we can help you through getting a better process because you're using the right product that was designed with a purpose. And that purpose is for you, for you to have a better car care experience. HyperClean Store on Instagram or be a part of the community inside of the HyperClean Specialist group on Facebook. Multiple of you that reach out, I'll always ask, hey, are you a part of the community? Go be a part of the community and join us for the community pub. Hey, if you've been playing along with the drinking game, hey, we got a lot to drink. So, hey, enjoy your time. This is Marshall. Go choose the right products, processes, and purposes to give you a much more sustainable life, sustainable business. We want you to enjoy your car care experience the best that you can. Make it a great day.